It's time for Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. for another episode of Chasing the Word here on Compassion Radio. Previously on... <laughs> we finally made it to John chapter 14, and I'm thrilled to be here. For the past three or four chapters especially, we're like, we're almost at the end now. We're almost at the end. <laughs> it's like the pace has been picking up, things get more intense. And I think in a lot of ways, that's exactly what John intended in the way he told the story. Mm. There is a kind of a funnel of expectations and of tension, of expectancy, of hope, of despair, all of that kind of collides more and more and more. And we've just gone through the whole episode of the feet washing and the betrayal happening, mm-hmm. all that stuff. It's, it is the last big day on earth, basically, for Jesus. Right. He's got a lot to say in that amount of time. Yeah. So in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1, Jesus is trying to encourage them. Mm-hmm. He starts out with, Your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If not, I would have told you. I am going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself, so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way to where I am going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Lord, said Philip, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been among you all this time without you knowing me, Philip? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. I assure you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name... I will do it. It's an encouragement we can rest on. Go back to the beginning. Okay. Why is Jesus trying to comfort them? And why are they so upset? Well, at the end of chapter 13, he just said, I'm really going away. He's like trying to beat it on their heads. We've done all the things necessary for me to be ready to do the thing I'm going to do. And I've talked about it ad nauseum. I'm going to do this thing and it requires me to leave you. But Jesus is not saying it to them cruelly or without any empathy. He really feels the sense of loss coming for them and him for them in some ways, I think. He, the man, this God-man, is having a difficult time thinking about what it's going to mean to be away from his friends because he can't take them with him to the cross, nor would he want to take them to the cross with him. Well, he's just told Peter, you're going to deny me. Mm. He's just basically shown them that Judas is going to betray him. 
He's done all of these things, and they're confused. They're wondering, why are you saying these things? What's going on? And but they so can sense she, the dread coming, too. Well, yeah, I think so. And they, they probably see the look in his eyes, yeah. the stress on him. Yeah. And so he says, your heart must not be troubled. You look at the context of this and what he's saying to them, knowing what he knows about what's coming. And he's saying, don't be troubled. I mean, if Jesus himself can have that wherewithal, that peace of mind to be able to say, don't be troubled about this because you believe in God. Yeah. Believe what's happening here. The word in English, though, doesn't seem to catch it for me. <laughs> right. You know, don't be troubled. Oh, okay. This is the kind of thing that you're facing when your toddler is throwing a tantrum in the middle of a grocery store mm-hmm. or when someone has inexplicably just lost somebody and the police have just called to say someone you love has died in a car accident mm-hmm. or something like that. This is the kind of wreck that's happening emotionally mm-hmm. for his friends. And for him, he's not far from their grief. Mm-hmm. Kind of like going to see Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha. By the time he gets there and really takes it in and he knows what he's going to do, it still crushes him to see the misery around him over someone he loves too. Mm -hmm. And it broke him. He literally just wept so much he couldn't control his own crying. That's what the scripture says about that scene. So in this scene, I think, yeah, the stress is on his face. Mm -hmm. They can read his face. They know his face. Mm -hmm. And then when Philip says something like, just show us the Father, that must have broken Jesus' heart. Like, how close can you be to the Father but me? We talk about beauty being skin deep. Mm. You know, in this way, it almost seems like humanity is skin deep over God here. And I know he's totally infused. He's totally human. It's not like he's just wearing a cape or something, some fake mask. He is fully human. Because he's fully human, he's going to feel all these things fully humanly. But God is right there for the scratching. And we just kind of looked in the eyes, the gateway to the soul, to think we could be like Philip in that room and look in the eyes of Jesus and know we're literally looking into the eyes of God. You know, we know that theologically now. They knew it in person and probably couldn't put words to it because no one had ever challenged them on that. You're literally looking at God the Father. Mm -hmm. But Jesus is saying this, look in my eyes, Philip, you will see exactly who you're looking for. But I can also see Philip's humanity here and mm-hmm. him saying, I believe and, and I've walked with you all of this time, these three years we've been together and I've seen the miracles, I've seen the works that you've done, I've seen the way that you love people and the way that mm-hmm. you've taught us to love others. But the confusion just comes up. It's like when your child has a nightmare and you go in because they're crying and upset and you go in to comfort them and you say to them, just trust me, believe that you're safe. You're safe in our home. They're still fearful because they're still confused from this dream, this nightmare that they had. The adrenaline's still going through their veins. Right. And so even if Philip can logically somewhere in his mind say, yes, that is God, yeah. He is God. I, I just think that this whole night has been such turmoil for them. And it's and it's only ramping up, like you said earlier, to be even more tumultuous than we could ever imagine. I think that it's an honest statement to say, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get what you're saying. At the very least, the whole experience, step by step, has been unnerving. Mm-hmm. Everything they think is supposed to be good about a party together to remember the great things that have been done on mm-hmm. behalf of Israel. Yeah. And just to be together and not have to worry about the outside world and the pressures and the politics and the riots in the streets and all that kind of stuff, but just be together. That's wonderful. But everything that happens throughout that keeps unnerving them. Well, Jesus starts talking crazy talk, I think. Yeah. And he does crazy stuff. He, yeah. he gets down on his hands and knees and wipes the mud off their feet. Mm-hmm. All this stuff is like, no, no, this is not how it's supposed to go. Yeah. We're supposed to be stepping into something really good. Yeah. They have an idea in their mind of what that good is. 
But the good he sees, the good he's pursuing, the good that these men need, the good that we have always needed as humanity, is not going to look like what they were hoping for. And how many times in our lives have the right thing happened that kicked us in the teeth? We felt like we were just blindsided by something that got us off our entire plan for life. Yeah. And at the time, say, this is horrible. This is not the way it was supposed to go. And somehow, later in life, we get it. That in that situation, that particular time, God did something that was painful, but was right. Hmm. It's interesting to see how Jesus jumps in right after this statement to you know not let your heart be troubled. Starts talking about dwelling places and you know what is this about? It's interesting because for three years they've, they've had no place. They've hardly had a place to to even lay their heads. Scripture tells us the Son of Man didn't even have a pillow. He didn't own anything. He didn't own anything. And now he's talking about building houses or building dwelling places. In one of the translations, the word is mansio. It's basically a resting place for travelers. Mm-hmm. But then there's another translation in the Greek, the verb is related to mino, which means a place to remain or mm-hmm. to stay. You'll never be kicked out. Yeah. And it's a more permanent dwelling. Right. Here's your address. You can always send mail to. Jesus is talking about this building, this place that he's going to build. And so I imagine that is a bit confusing. Okay, we've been traveling around, you know, stopping by Peter's house every once in a while and visiting with Lazarus and Mary and Martha and, you know, having a few places like that to hang out. But for the most part... They've had no place to be. And they're all expecting to. Remember, this is a messianic cult, basically, for the Jews. They see in Jesus the Messiah that the law and the prophets have always talked about. And the expectation was he would sweep in to restore the nation, to establish Jerusalem forever, to become the king, to reign there and to rule. So if they're there with him, they expect to walk in with him and take up residence there. They've left everything behind because they're getting something so much better. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're thinking it's going to be some palace room in Jerusalem, and they're finally going to get the chance to be part of something they've always imagined to be glorious. Yeah. And now he's saying, I'm leaving you behind. Think about that. They really expect to be with him as he comes into his glory. And he's saying, no, what I'm about to do, you cannot do. I'm going to go places you cannot go. Mm-hmm. That is their expectation they're fighting through. It's not just a little bit of confusion yeah. about what he <laughs> means by this. Complete he's, upheaval of they what they thought. They get what he's saying. They're saying, I have no use for you anymore. That's what they're feeling. Mm. I mean, that, that's got to be completely yeah. disturbing. Yeah. Well, he talks about going away, like you said. And then Thomas, we all love Thomas. <laughs> he's the, you know punching through there. He's like, we don't know where you're going. How can we get there? We don't know the way. And I love that Jesus says, I'm going to come back and get you mm-hmm. to go to this place. But then he says, Thomas, and this is one of the most famous scriptures, Thomas, I am the way, yeah. the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's probably the most famous saying of Jesus right. in the church, maybe the world, but it's a confusing statement as well. And it's like how if you're going away, you're the way but you're not letting us come with you on that way. And but I am now the road. But yeah, it's uh, very confusing. But I would say, and think about this now, if Jesus is saying this directly to Thomas, there are all kinds of records of when the word came to a person, they never forgot it. Hmm. It was like imprinted on their brain because it's coming right from God's mouth. Thomas is standing there looking at Jesus, and he's saying this to him. I imagine those words were inscribed on his soul hmm. that moment. What was the first thing he did when he came back and saw Jesus alive? Boom, on the floor. Yeah. This wasn't a reunion. This was a impossibility. But it suddenly made the words that had never left his mind from this moment we're reading about in John 14 
it brought them to life. It made them certain. It proved to him that Jesus was not lying to him. For 78 years now, we've depended on the faithful encouragement of friends just like you to bring this unique radio and media ministry to the air each day. You can drop us a line, ask a question, submit a prayer request, or download a free Bible study guide in just the same way. It all happens at CompassionRadio.com. This dynamic gospel is available to you in a handy paperback edition, and I'd love to send you one when you send your gift and ask for it. Remember, this is a 100% listener-supported ministry. If you've never supported us before, would you consider doing so this month? I know many of you can and want to give more, so I'll not be shy in asking for that support. Thank you for seriously considering this request and challenge. Our toll-free order line is 1-800-868-2478. That's 1-800-868-2478. If you need to call early or late, that's okay. Just make sure to leave your name and phone number, and we'll get back to you immediately when the doors open each business day. You can also give anytime online at CompassionRadio.com. And if you prefer to put a stamp on it, you can always find us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. God bless you as you stretch your faith. I hope we can be a real encouragement and challenge to you for many, many years to come. And make sure to ask for your own copy of The Dynamic Gospel when you contact us today. Rem, let's read this same passage now from The Dynamic Gospel. The disciples were crushed by this news. So Jesus said, Come now, this is no time for despair. Show a little faith. You say you believe in God. If so, put your faith in me too. There is plenty of space in my father's house. If it was too small to fit everyone, I would have been selective in sharing the good news. But there are no worries about overcrowding. I'll make sure of that when I get there. There's no point in building a mansion if I don't plan to fill it up. I'll let you know when it's your time to join me there. In fact, I'll be at the door to greet you myself, and you'll have the run of the place. If you think about it a little, it's no mystery where I'm going and how I'm going to get there. Thomas spoke before thinking anyway. Master, you think we know where you're going? We haven't a clue. How are we supposed to sort out a mystery like this? What is this hide-and-seek? Jesus smiled sadly and said, I'm not hiding. I've already shown the way. In fact, I am the way. And that's the straight truth. You won't live forever any other way. You won't find your way to the Father without following me. No one gets around that truth, however inconvenient it might be. You talk of knowing the Father and claim to really know me at the same time. Well, here's your clue. See me, and you've seen him. Get that into your brains right now and keep it there. Philip answered, Wow, if you can show us the Father, we can die happy. Jesus shook his head in exasperation. You missed the point. How long have I been with you now? Do you still not see me for who I am, Philip? Listen closely one more time. If you've seen me, you've seen him. How can you ask that after all we've been through together? Is your faith that small? Can you not see that the Father is just as much in me as I am in him? My words are his words because he's living in me. He who dwells in me does his work through me. You've got to understand that we are absolutely of one mind and mission. There's nothing in me that doesn't come from the Father. At the very least, let the evidence speak for itself. Have I done enough with my own hands to prove the point? Oh, friends, I'll tell you this. If any one of you truly lets this truth soak down into his soul, his faith will burst forth with spiritual power and authority. He'll be unstoppable. 
Why? Because he has tapped into the same power I have. To that person, I say, go and do mighty things in my name. I'm backing you up from heaven every step of the way. Then whatever's in your heart to do, just ask for help and ask in person. When we're of one mind, you know I'll do it so that the Father gets the glory and honor through what I do. Again, if you ask anything of me that glorifies the Father, I'll gladly do it. I have the family name to keep up. I love the emphasis in Jesus' voice on this part of the scripture because he is on the verge of exasperation, but it's also urgent. I mean, I hear an urgency in his voice to get this message across to them so that it's, like you said earlier, deeply embedded in their soul so that when he does raise from the dead and then the Holy Spirit comes in, it solidifies all of these things that he's saying to them. You know, these things that you're going to do because you believe in me. The Father is indwelling me. So you've seen the Father. I mean, he's just got so much to say here. And he's encouraging them to really hear him in this so that they will know they have the same power. Yeah. It's an encouragement that is an imperative. Yeah. I mean, it's really essential, not just recommended. Yeah. You're not going to survive this if you don't get this yeah. now. I love the verse that says, the words I speak, I don't speak on my own, and the Father in me does the work. The way you said it in the dynamic gospel is that he's the one working in me and his words come out of me, basically. And I I thought, you know, I want to live like that. I want to live that the Father is so indwelling me, that the Holy Spirit is so pushed out everything else that his words come out of me. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak the truth out of me. Profanity has no place. Think of the words that come out of the mouth of Jesus, honey. I do believe that the Spirit speaks what it really feels and believes. And Jesus is impassioned, purposeful, and he's direct Mm -hmm. and frustrated at times. But he's never cruel. Yeah. You know, and sometimes our language is coarse, and we say profane or ugly things to each other. And I think the church has always stood up at that and said, you know, if that's the kind of fruit coming out of your mouth, rethink this, because this is really not Jesus. Mm. It's one of the reasons I think the church has always been kind of leaning in on, let's not Mm. curse each other with our words. Let's think about how Jesus would actually talk. Well, Scripture does tell us that whatever's in your heart comes out of your mouth. It's hard to pray in the name of Jesus if you've got bitterness or anger or profanity coming out of your mouth, too. All of us have had slips of the tongue. We've said things that were hurtful or out of frustration or anger. That... Or we've said things and put them in God's mouth. Well, that's, and that's true as well. that's exactly what it means to take God's name in vain. Yeah. But I think we have to surrender all of those things to the Holy Spirit. We have to surrender our mouth. We have to surrender all the things that are in our hearts. I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, if you pray in my name, it's not this thing that you invoke in the name of Jesus. You know, and as a church, we do that sometimes. We just pray in the name of Jesus and it covers everything. But I think that it's more than that. It's deeper than that. It is a a deep abiding of Jesus. There is a sense that Jesus himself, if he was among us, would be saying these words. We put ourselves in his shoes literally and say... I'm standing here in the spot, and I cannot not pray this. Mm-hmm. That's a God thing. It's an honest thing. It's not going to be full of form and no substance. It's always going to be real. And Jesus never prayed a prayer we didn't mean it yeah. or, or wasn't convinced that what he was saying was true. If we're praying honestly, go back to the Psalms. We just talked a minute ago about the possibility of profanity. There is plenty of stuff in the Psalms where we look at it and say, that's really coarse. Mm-hmm. That's really rude. And yet it was absolutely raw and real. And the psalmist had to get it out. God let him and didn't crush him, the psalmist, for saying it. Yeah. 
So I think there's plenty to be said about honesty. If that's the only language we have is to bust out with a plea to God that is raw, that seems accusing. If that's what it takes to be honest with God, then do it. Mm. I don't think that's profanity. I think profanity is knowing better and knowing you can control it and that it's something you should not say. And you know it in your heart you shouldn't, but you do it anyway. I think Jesus is giving them freedom here to mourn what's going to come, to be real with him, and to be able to express themselves. He's really expressed himself about his relationship with his father and how urgent it is. Mm. He's held nothing back. Yeah. Well, we need to be reminded here, too, that these guys and gals that were hearing these words from him had no idea what was coming next. We have the benefit of hindsight in this. We have the benefit of knowing the end of the story and the victory of Jesus in this story and our victory. They did not. Yeah. And John gives them cover for that saying, we should have known better. It was so obvious. We look back on it all. That's what he was talking about. But he does gently speak of his other disciple friends. We should have got it, but we didn't. But when we did discover it, Mm -hmm. then it all made sense. So Mm -hmm. it's okay. We don't get it all when it's all happening. It's okay that things look really crazy, unmoored, and like we have no foundation, no home to go back to, no place to stay, no place in this world while it's happening. That does not mean that God does not know that we have a need for security. It's not that God doesn't care that we feel alone or feel exposed or like we have no place to rest our head. It's simply that he's got a bigger picture and our place in it, and he knows what we really, really need. It's brutal at times, I think, to say Mm -hmm. that God may not answer our prayer, our immediate prayer, the way we want. But it is true that these men needed to be obedient right then as much as his spirit could give them strength to do it. They needed to persevere. Yeah. They needed to make it to the other side of this thing in pieces, yeah. but nonetheless still together, still a team, still a family. Yeah. It reminds me of the severe mercies that yeah. we've talked about before. And many times mercies do seem very severe. Well, that's what we got for Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word this week. It's chapter 14, the first half. Next week, we'll finish up that encounter where Jesus is trying to literally buck up his team to be able to face what's coming next. It's a messy and passionate scene, and I'm so glad we have a chance to share it with you and have you be praying with us about what God could be speaking in your heart. Mm. Maybe you're facing situations that these guys have faced, facing impending loss or fear, or you're being crushed by something. You know, we're praying for you as much as we can with a little bit of knowledge we have, but we're asking God for wisdom how to pray for you. But we also would love to hear from you how we can pray specifically. So don't hesitate to send us an email like bramfloria at compassionradio.com or info at Compassion Radio Works too. We'll see you next week on the next Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. My soul, my soul, be satisfied, be filled with love that won't run dry in barren desert or harvest time. My soul, my soul, Satisfied, oh my soul, my soul, be satisfied. For on my own, I'm incomplete. I've searched this world, but found no peace. My struggles keep reminding.
This dynamic gospel is available to you in a handy paperback edition, and I'd love to send you one when you send your gift and ask for it. You can drop us a line, ask a question, submit a prayer request, or download a free Bible study guide in just the same way. It all happens at CompassionRadio.com. Make sure to ask for your own copy of the dynamic gospel when you contact us today. Remember, none of this is possible without you. If you believe hearing the good news from the front lines of faith builds your faith, then let us know today. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859, or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.